Good morning. Happy second Sunday of the new year. It's gone by pretty fast already for me. <laughs> it's crazy how the days just fly by. I am Pastor Angel, the Family Ministries Pastor here at the Hyde Wesleyan Church, and I'm thankful to be able to serve here. So the craziness of Christmas is finally over. Is everyone feeling like the calm that comes after the storm, that we're, we're done with all the crazy? Me too. I, um, I must have just been super busy, and Christmas just came in, and I missed it. And so right before Christmas, that Saturday or Sunday, I decided to get a tree. Usually we get a tree. We used to have a fake tree, but my family has decided real trees are the, where it's at. So we had to get a real tree. So I sent them down to the store to get a real tree, and they had three left. And so hmm, they picked the best one that was left. And yeah, it's ugly. <laughs> it wasn't a pretty tree. That hole in there could have fit my 130-pound dog. And so <laughs> I was so thankful whenever... I could get rid of that tree in my house. So we, we quickly decorated it. Christmas happened, and by Friday, it was gone. It, was, it didn't last a week. And so I was really thankful for that. So that's out of my life. But the, the whole reason we celebrate Christmas, Jesus, the conception, the birth, how it all happened, and it was all prophesied, and it all came together just as God had said, that part hasn't left our house. The Christmas spirit that we as Christians are supposed to keep keeping on with, right, throughout the year. Um, we're trying to do that, but, um, but that tree's out of my house, so I'm thankful for that. So today we're going to talk about, because in the past we've been talking about the birth of Jesus, so today, the second Sunday of the new year, we're going to focus on Jesus's life as a young man and the things that he um, said and the examples he set before us. So Jesus was fully human and fully God, and he had to study the word of God. He had to study that to be able to teach others. And as we know, to rebuke Satan when he was being tempted by him. And Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was about 30 years old. And that made me feel better when, when we know this because I didn't start my ministry until later. And so I'm thankful that I'm not alone in that. Um, but with Jesus being 30 and he was studying the Word of God and he... He must have just been an amazing, amazing teacher with a, just a powerful and commanding voice because people came from all over to hear him and to listen to him, follow him, be discipled by him, and to believe. Like, they believed when he spoke. Um, and so that, to me, is amazing. And I think that I would have, I know, that I would have loved to be there to hear him say these things to us. But he did more than just speak and um, he set the perfect example for us. He really did. We have every example that we need on how we're supposed to live our lives because he gave us that. So he gave us the perfect example, not just, not just a commanding voice and the way he spoke. Um, today, we are going to look at three different stories in the Bible. I chose three very common stories, so you're going to know them well when I read them to you. Um, we're going to look at the view, so the view of the world and the view of Jesus and how sometimes our view is like the world and then how we're supposed to actually do it. So I'm, my prayer is that we're, we'll be convicted and we'll be aware of the way we think and how the way we should think and the way we should see things. So the first story that I'm going to go through today is um, it's going to help us see others the way Jesus sees them. 
And so it's about the adulterous woman. First, I'd like to tell you that in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the law is very clear on what happens to um, people that are committing adultery. In Leviticus 20.10, it says, Leviticus, oops, I'm sorry, I was just reading that again. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. It's very severe, but that was the law of Moses, and that's what they were supposed to follow. So right now we're going to go to John. In your Bible app, if you have it, under events is today's sermon, and so you can follow along there, or if you have your, your um, paper Bible, you can follow along there, or on the screen. John 8, 1 through 11. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says that, you are to stone, that we are to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, All right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again, and he said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Amen. It hits my heart when I hear that. Because we're all sinners, and I am a sinner, and God did the same exact thing for me. I repented, and he forgave me and told me to sin no more. Oh, what a good God we serve. So the world saw one thing. The worldview was an adulterous woman that should be punished, ashamed, ridiculed, and put to death. They put her in front of everyone and said these things about her. We don't know any of the circumstances around how they caught her or anything like that, but we hear Jesus tell a story that his words we must listen to and pay attention. First, he knew the law well enough that he knew that in Leviticus it said that the man and the woman had to be stoned, and yet they only brought the woman. And so he wasn't going to be tricked. He's God. They were trying to trap him and have him violate the law. But Jesus didn't ignore the law, and he didn't even deny the law. But instead, what he did was show compassion and love. By saying that only a sinless person could throw the first stone, he highlighted the importance of forgiveness. He didn't condemn the woman, but he also didn't ignore her sin. He told her to leave her life of sin. Isn't that awesome that he does that for us too? So what can we learn from this story? What can we learn from all that Jesus is teaching? First, we're learning that you can't say one sin is okay and another isn't. So you can't say it's okay to lie to your mother, but it's not okay to lie to your pastor. You can't, 
don't lie, lying is bad, period. Um, they were saying that for the woman, stone her, but the man was free. Um, Jesus says, that's not okay. We can't do that. We must be careful when we're quick to criticize and judge others for a sinful action. When we can look in the mirror and at any length of time see a very flawed person that needs to put down their stone. Jesus teaches us that we must love and forgive to help others. He loved her and he forgave her, but he didn't let her off the hook. He told her to go and sin no more. He didn't ignore that she had sinned. We, as Christians, must also forgive, love, and help others not to sin. The world viewed her and and condemned her immediately. But our job as Christians are to forgive, love, and help help them not sin. It's hard sometimes because people are flawed. But today, I'm right here, standing here before you as Pastor Angel, because someone did that for me. Someone loved me and forgave me and told me that my sin wasn't okay. God used my husband to come into my life and say, I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to show you compassion and grace. And I'm going to tell you that sinning is not okay. And we're not going to stand for it. And so we're going to come together and we're going to do this together. And he never left me. And God did that for me. And if he didn't, I don't... I don't know where I would be. God does. But being Christ to someone is what God calls us to do. Pastor Seven, a couple weeks ago, reminded us of this song by Jason Gray. With every act of love, at the end he played it. And the, um, the lyrics, just a little piece of the lyrics are, Alive in us, your light shines through. With every act of love, we bring the kingdom come. God put a million doors in the world for his love to walk through. And one of them is you. And one of them was my husband. And I'll never forget that. Ever. Because I, I wouldn't be saved. Don't discount your doorness. <laughs> I said that in first service, so I created my own word. But your doorness is important. Sometimes we think we have no power, and we don't, not without Jesus. But the power we have through him can change lives. My husband is blessed because he gets to see the reward, but not all of us do. We don't get to see what our kindness or our love or our compassion or our grace does. But it's planting seeds, so don't underestimate what you can do by loving. The next story that we're going to go through, this, just, this story was how we're supposed to see people and how the world sees people. And now, I'm sure that you can see that you've probably seen people the same way that the Pharisees saw the adulterous woman and how God sees her. But now we're going to move on to how, how are we supposed to see Jesus. So, my heart was convicted when I was um, reading these verses and when I was preparing for this. And so I pray that yours are too. How are we supposed to act towards Jesus? How are we supposed to see him? In Luke 36 through 50, it says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. 
Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him, to, invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon said. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom the can he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but she, from the first time I came in, hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little shows little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table among themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Have we been the Pharisee with Jesus? Or we have, been, have we been the sinful woman? I'd like to point out just a couple things from this scripture. First, did you hear that Jesus didn't answer the Pharisee's question that he murmured with his lips? He answered his thought. He knows your thoughts, too. He knows every hair on your head. You're important to him. And he will answer your thoughts, too. He answers mine all the time. I have a question, and then boom, he gives me the answer. I'm like, oh, you are a good God. I don't know how you do that all the time, but he's, he's answering them all the time for me. Second, this woman who was a sinner, according to Simon and to Jesus, because he forgived her, he forgave her, he forgave her of many sins. She came into this gathering uninvited. She was a sinner, and she came in with the Pharisees and the religious leaders, the people that were up here, and she was down here uninvited. She was going to face embarrassment, harassment, judgment, ridicule. She did it anyway. Personally, for me, I have great anxiety, like crippling anxiety to the point I can't get out of my car sometimes. I pray, God, help me. Help me get out of this car and do what you want me to do. And he does, but I'm not always happy about it because I don't want to stay in the car because I'm anxious. There are times that, like, this is embarrassing to even say it, but my son had a, he was in, it was last year, so don't judge him. He's a teenager now. Um, he was in this thing. He had to do this dance, and I was supposed to go. And I got a call. My mom called me, and she said, I need you to take me to the hospital. I'm not feeling good. And I was like, okay, I'll take you to the hospital. I called my sister and I said, can you please go to Jack's recital? I can't go. I got to take mom to the hospital. And she went, no, no, no. I'll take mom. 
You go to, no, no, I'm already on my way. I'm, I'm already taking, like literally to get out of going because I was so scared to go in that school by myself without anyone else that everyone in there this is a little bit conceited and it's not even true are looking at me judging me telling telling each other I don't belong there I'm not good enough oh look at her she thinks she's better than us she's a Christian all these lies fill my head and it literally cripples me you guys I can't move this woman who was going in to know all these things were true, that she was going to be ridiculed and harassed and embarrassed and made fun of and told she was nothing, went in anyway. She's my example. I need to go in anyway and remember who I am. I am the daughter of a king. What am I thinking? You are the, king, are the daughters and the sons of a king. We can do this. She went in. And now, with the help of the Lord, I go in. Because it's not just about going in and being there for my son or going there and, and walking into a building that I'm unfamiliar with or whatever it is that's giving me my fear. It is about going in and being like Jesus to them. To be in that door that I'm gonna, some, I'm, you know, his love is going to walk through me and I'm going to be an example. And I hinder that all the time, excuse me, by my anxiousness and my fear. And so we need to stand up. We must stand firm and not waver because the world says it's not correct to be a Christian. The world says, ah, Jesus is a nice guy. He, he lived, but, you know, he wasn't the son of God. He wasn't the savior of the world. But we know that that is true. And so we have to stand firm behind that and let that be our power. And let that be our strength. I know that Jesus is not here physically for us to wash his feet and anoint his head and kiss him. But we can worship him. And we can love him. And we can have a relationship with him. He's, he knows every hair on our head and every thought in our mind. You think he doesn't want a relationship with you? But he wants us to talk to him. He wants to be our best friend. I used to think that's crazy. The Lord of Lords and the King of Kings does not want to be angel scribe's friend. But he does. And he wants to be yours too. And he wants you to talk to him and tell him everything. He wants to be your confidant. He wants to be your savior. And if we do that, that's like washing his feet. That's like anointing his head and kissing him. When we honor him with the things that he's told us to do, the laws and the commands that he's given us, love our neighbor as ourselves. love God with all of our heart, all of our strength, all of our mind, right? These are the things that we're supposed to do to honor him and worship him. And we can do that. We can worship him, love him, and be in relationship with him. We don't need to listen to the world that says that he is not who he is, that the word of God is unimportant, that the Bible you hold in your hand, on your phone, or physically, the paper words, you, it's important. We don't have to listen to the world. We don't have to let it creep in. We can deny it and say, no, he is what's important. He is our savior. Last story I have. So we've learned about how we're supposed to see people. 
right? And how we're supposed to love them and give them forgiveness and grace and help them to not sin anymore. And we learned about how we're supposed to see Jesus and worship him and love him and be in relationship with him. And the next one is all these things happening. We can see Jesus as he wants us to, and we can see people as he wants us to. But if we're not acting on all these things, it's for nothing. We have to act on these things. So, we are supposed to act, and he instructs us to tell others about the good news and to spread the gospel. So the last story I have for you today is in Matthew. Matthew 9, 9, 12, 9 through 12. And it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus, sorry. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many other tax collectors and disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Okay. If I asked you just to get up and follow me and leave everything behind, you would tell me no. Rightfully so. I'm angel. I'm not Jesus. But Matthew did. Matthew just got up. Last night, I was at dinner, and a friend of mine said that she was reading about Matthew, and she was like, isn't it crazy? Like, wow, he just got up and went. we got to be told like six times just to go and tell someone that Jesus loves them, and if we even do it then, right? But he got up. And you know, when I was getting ready for this, I did a little bit of research on Matthew, and Here's how the tax collecting worked back then, from what I understand. Is he, would, he was in charge of an area, and he would pay those taxes ahead of time. So he would go to the Romans, and he would pay their ta- these people's taxes. And then he would go back, and he would sit in his tax collector booth, and he would collect the taxes from the Jews with an exorbitant amount of interest on there. And so that's why the Jews didn't like him. He was stealing their money. He was charging them way more than their taxes actually were. And he was getting rich by this, not just making a living. He was getting rich. And the Romans, they didn't like him because he was a Jew. He was hated and despised all over the place. No one wanted to be his friend except for, you know, other, other tax collectors and disreputable sinners. So he wasn't popular. He didn't have a ton of friends. And yet... God called him, and he went. Now, remember something else. He was all of these things. Don't you think, for a minute, if you were a horrible person, and everyone hated you, and no one liked you, and this Jesus walks up to you and says, come on, come follow me. I got good things for you. Do you think you'd be like, he doesn't want me. I know who I am. I know what people think about me. He's not, he doesn't want me. And I would have probably questioned and waited a couple months or, you know, talked about it some more. But no, not Matthew. You guys, he, he got up and he went. And that is what we're supposed to do when he calls us, get up and go. He doesn't call us, he might call someone. He hasn't called me to get up and leave my everything, right? He hasn't, he hasn't asked me to do that. He's asked me to step up and do what he asks of me. And that is to be the family ministries pastor here at the Hyde Wesleyan Church. To love on our youth 
here at our church, to love on our community, to be a friend to some people that some wouldn't want to be friends with, to love people right where they're at. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I'm saying he's called me and I'm trying to be obedient. Matthew is a good example of not of his past sins. He didn't let his past sins hinder what God wanted him to do right then. I don't know how many of you drag a giant suitcase of sin around with you and say, I can't because this is who I am. I can't because this is what I've done. I can't because this is... I do it. That's where my anxiety comes from. I can't go in there because they know who I was. And they don't know who I am. I am redeemed. I am new. And they need to know it. And so I need to start being obedient and stop carrying around this ridiculously heavy suitcase. And so if that's what you're doing and you're not letting God use you the way he wants to because you're lugging around all this sin and all this garbage, let it go. Really, it's very freeing when I put it down for a while. (laughs) It's not good when I pick it back up. So I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you have going on in your life. But rest assured, we are all struggling with something. You're not alone. At least you're in company with me. But God wants you to be part of his million doors. You are a door. He can use you. If you know his love and his forgiveness and his grace and you call him Lord, then it's not a question of do I go? It's yes, you go. Does he want me to go? Yes, he wants you to go. Let me answer that for you right now. Yes, he wants you to go and be his hands and feet. He wants you to go tell other people the good news. When Jack was, it was a couple years ago, he had um, a project at school. And so his project was he had to tell them he was going to do something over a break. And then he was supposed to do it. And I was, I didn't know anything about it. Well, my mom was in the nursing home. She had broken her foot, and we were on our way. And he's like, oh, man, school's tomorrow, and I didn't do this project. I'm like, oh, man, what is your project? And he said, I'm sp- I just had to tell him what I was going to do, and I'm supposed to tell someone that Jesus loves them. I'm like, oh, that's an awesome project. And I said, well, we can do this. We're going to the nursing home. I said, what we're going to do is we're going to start praying. And when we get there, we're going to pray through the halls. And when God tells you to go into a room, that's the room we're going into. And you're going you're gonna to tell them Jesus loves you. And he was like, all right. And so we went into the nursing home, and down the, down the hallway we went. And I'm praying, and he's praying just silently in our heads, because God can read our thoughts. And he, um, I, I felt this, this room, and I was like, we got to go in this room. And if he decides he's not going in this room, i got to go in this room by myself. And, and he stopped right then, and he went, this is the room, Mom. And I'm like, you're right. It is the room. This is the one. Let's go. And so we went in, and there was an elderly woman sitting there, and she was eating her dinner all alone. And she looked up, and he said, Hi, I'm Jack. I just wanted to tell you, I, I wanted to come in and pray with you. And she was like, Oh, okay. And so he started praying for her, and he laid his hands on her, and and he was praying, and she was weeping. And after we were done, he said, Jesus loves you. And she said, no one has come in here and done this. We walked out of that room, you guys. I don't know if she got saved that day. I don't know if she was already saved. I don't know the impact, but I know 
that we were obedient and we did what God wanted us to do. And I know that it impacted my son and it impacted me. It was proof like that when he said, this is the room, and we both felt it and we had to go in. And so we're not always going to see, like I said, the reward of, of what we're doing. But he wants us to go. Go. The highest calling in life is to serve God, no matter what the world says. The world says money, right? Fame, which is ridiculous when you see Hollywood. Money, fame, popularity. What else do I have down here? Power. None of that can compare None of it to being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not a question of does he want you to go. It's yes, he does want you to go. The world will see the shortcomings and the sins of us that call ourselves Christians. And they will wait for you to fail and call you a hypocrite and say, oh, look, they're not living up to their own beliefs. We are flawed. We are going to fail. Absolutely. But don't let that deter you from the mission God has you on. Whether, and it doesn't have to be a mission to become a pastor. It doesn't have to be a mission to whatever it, you think a mission is. It's a mission to be close to him, to love him, become new, and to tell others. You can do that at Walmart, you guys. It's weird sometimes, but you can do it. You can do it at the parking lot. I was telling that the first service, there were some teens in here. I said, you guys, we can pray at lunch at school. It'll be weird. It will set you apart. But it is worship in the Lord. We can pray at lunch wherever we're working. I fortunately work here. I can pray whenever I want. But, <laughs> like, I know it sets us apart and it makes us weird. But be weird for God. Be that door. If someone else sees you praying, they oh, okay, I, I can pray with you, Doug because you're praying, and I know that you're a Christian now. Like, sometimes that's just what someone needs to open up and that you can show love, God's love through. The world will make fun of Jesus. They will make and put down his deity. They will put down the word of God and God himself and say, none of it's real. You're living in a fairy tale. It's not right. But if we're going to stand up and stand on the truth... And we have to do it with Jesus with us. Don't think you have to do it alone, because if you do it alone, it'll be awful, because I do it in the car all the time, think I can do this alone, and then I have to call on him, and then he gets me out of the car. We must, as Christ followers, recognize and stand firm in who Jesus is and who we are. We are bought with his blood that he shed on the cross, and we are his, and he has gone before us to prepare a room for us. This is awesome news that our Lord, King, and Savior would do this. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are in him? I'm going to tell you. God says that you are his child. You are set free. You are forgiven. You are a friend of Jesus. You are blessed, chosen, holy, and blameless. You are the light in the Lord, citizen of heaven, and been made complete. God loves you, and he chooses you. Jesus has commanded us, us, those that believe and follow him, to go. Go and make disciples of men, women, children, all people, for the kingdom of God. So today, we have learned how to see people 
through God's eyes and through the world's eyes. We've learned how to see Jesus and how some do and how Christians should. And things that we should be doing and acting and going and telling others. But don't be surprised when this world is the judge and jury on us. Because if you're really honest, you have also been the judge and jury and convictor and determiner of who someone is in their sin. But we have to rise above that. And we have to remember, and I say that saying to you that just this week, I've decided that some kid at Jack's school that's being a bully is a jerk. That's what he is. That's what he's, and I was like, oh my gosh, Angel, you're about ready to preach this sermon. And, and here you are doing exactly what you're saying not to do. We are all getting worked on, you guys. We're not all there yet. And we won't be until we reach the gates of heaven. But to recognize it and say, okay, this is something that I need to work on. I'm not the judge and jury. There are so many hurts in this room. Some we know about, some we don't. There's a young woman that I'm friends with that her husband is so sick. And she has two little boys and my heart is breaking for her. And I can't help her, but you know what I can do? I can encourage her. I can be a door for Jesus' love to walk through. I can call her and check in. I can take her a meal. I can do all these little things. I can't heal her husband. I can't make her kids understand what's happening to their dad. But I can love her right where she's at. And that's what you can do. We have to be open to what God wants us to see in people. And sometimes we like to close our eyes and say, I'm not, you're just a jerk, and that's what I'm going to believe. But that's not what God wants us to do. We're going to serve others, make disciples, spread the good news. That's my prayer for you today that we will leave this place and we will see people as God sees them, and our hearts will break for them. And we will pray to God that he can show us how we can help someone. That we can be love to them when they might not ever feel it. Because they're in the middle of their own stuff. We've all been there. I'm praying that you talk to God. And that you pray to Jesus. And you get this relationship with him that's first and foremost in your life. That you're so full of him that there's nothing left of you. And that you can serve him fully. And I pray that you see Jesus just the way he wants us to see him, as our perfect example. Will you go to the Lord with me in prayer? Lord God, I thank you for this day. I praise your great name. You are such a good God. Things happen in this world, Lord, that we don't understand and we can't fix. But I know that with you, we can do all things. You give us the strength we need in the middle of whatever it is that we are going through. Lord, help us to put down that baggage that we won't carry it around and we can't use it as our excuse of the reasons we're not serving you yet. We're not able to show people love. We're not able to tell someone how good you are and how new we are because we still got this stuff. Lord, let us see you the way you want us to see you and let us see people the way you see them. 
that they're broken and they're flawed, just like us, and that we can give grace and love and mercy, and that we can help people to not sin any longer. Help us to be the door that your love walks through, Lord God. Help us to do that. We love you so much, and I ask all these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you so much, and I hope that you have a wonderful week.